Hello and welcome to another edition of Wellbeing. With medical science going ahead in leaps and bounds, when we hear about people having organ or tissue transplants, we accept the news almost without comment, unless, of course, we're the patient or part of the family of a patient. But what's involved with organ and tissue donation? To talk to me today about this, I have in the studio Nicole Coleman. She's a clinical nurse consultant and she's the organ and tissue donor coordinator with the Hunter New England Health in Newcastle. Nicole, thanks for coming in today. You're very welcome. I understand that you're a deceased donor coordinator. Would you explain exactly what you do for me, please? Uh, I generally work within the hospital system to coordinate um, organ and tissue donation for the community, but I also work in the community to promote the organ and tissue donation and to educate the community as well as healthcare professionals. And I also support the families um, quite closely and help them through the process once they decide to become involved with organ and tissue donation. And how long have you been doing this? Coming up to two years now, my background is in intensive care and I've worked in um, Sydney and in England, in London for a while, working in that area. And what's the difference between what you do and recruiting donors from people who are still living? Um, living donation is generally involves like perhaps a kidney or most commonly blood and it's generally from the people who come forward themselves to donate. Um, they generally will donate for their, as in organ donation as a kidney for family and friends um, and they work with transplant coordinators and that's quite different from me because I generally only become involved once someone is deceased and I am asked to help actualise the wish of that deceased person to become an organ or a tissue donor. Emotionally, it's very different. Um, I have to support the families um, through the process and the medical and timing factors with organ and tissue donation is also very different as well. Is it as difficult these days to encourage people to donate their organs as it was, say, five years ago? Well, no, I think it is a little bit easier these days. I think people are becoming more aware of organ and tissue donation through um, the media, which does help. And many of us will begin to know um, or know of someone who has been affected by transplantation or donation today. As time progresses and more transplantation is commonplace in our society, we're more exposed to it. And this means that it becomes easier for people um, and it's more personal for them, so it's easier for them to understand the positives that are involved with organ and tissue donation and therefore transplantation. So overall you think it's become generally more popular, perhaps that's not the right word, but something that we were less resistant to? I think, you know, it's a generational thing. Transplantation is relatively new in, in our medical technology and, you know, expertise. And since the 1960s, we're doing more and more of them every year. And people are beginning to know someone in their family or a friend who's had a transplant. And they know how that's affected that person's life. So therefore, they understand what it's about. And, and they're more um, open to the idea of actually considering donation because they know what, that it saves lives. Mm. I suppose that a lot of us, particularly the, the younger generation, don't really think about dying. We think we're almost immortal. Does this make your job more difficult in trying to get the message across that unfortunately accidents do happen and that sometimes several people could benefit from their gift? I think so. I think, you know... Um most of us hope that we're going to be old and have grandchildren when we pass away, but death is, it is inevitable and unfortunately it does 
happen before we're ready and um, you know 10 to 20 percent of donors are between the 20 and 35 age group and and the next biggest percentage our largest percentage are 41 percent are between the 55 and the 65 age groups so as we are younger we should consider it no one wants to think about dying but we should have a plan about what we want to happen we often make a will for our valuable possessions material possessions and likewise I think we should consider what we want to happen after we die. How often does it happen that someone has donated but the family are not very happy about that decision and deny consent? It's not that often. We find that generally if someone has discussed their wish with their family and they, are, they want to become an organ tissue donor, the family usually support that decision. However, if family are unaware of what their loved one's decision was and they had not discussed it, we find that the family will generally refuse organ and tissue donation. What's the most common reason for denying consent? We will always consult the family and um, the prospect of more surgery and going through the process of organ donation is often very scary and a lot of people think that, and this is a horrible word to use, but that there's a lot of mutilation involved and that the loved one won't look the same. And that's not the case. Um, the, the person who has died looks the same afterwards and there's no change to their appearance. The family can, can see their loved one after the surgery. And another common reason is, is that often it's an unexpected death. The, the injury that has occurred is they may have been in hospital receiving quite intensive therapy. It's a long process sometimes and they just the family get very tired and when they realize that the organ donation process can take up to 12 or 20 hours it's sometimes just too much for them to have to deal with. Is there any way in which the deceased wishes can be fulfilled under these circumstances? Um, up until last year we always had to ask the senior next of kin to sign and authorize for organ and tissue donation to go ahead but um, in Australia now, since um, May last year, the Australian Donate Register is now legal consent and we can proceed with organ and tissue donation, but we will always need to consult the family to make sure that they are happy with the process. Um, we need to take their wishes into consideration and not add to their suffering or their grief to an already bereaved family. Um, it should be a positive decision for, for everyone involved. So. In a way, the best way to become a donor is to discuss it with your family and make them understand how important it is to you. You mentioned about senior next of kin. Supposing the family have got together and said, yes, we think that this is what family member would have wanted. A senior person says, no, I won't allow that. Do we just go with the, the senior decision? We have to um, explore the reasons why they hold that that strong objection and if we discover that it's for a reason that's an untrue reason we will try and dispel those fears and and ask them whether there's something that we can make this process less painful and sometimes people will then come around to organ and tissue donation but we will not coerce people we will not persist and ask them to change their mind um, we consider that too stressful for the family so i think that you you do need to discuss it and you know, we need to talk to the family to make them understand. And if they do understand and, and then they change their mind, we'll go ahead. But um, legally, if, if they do hold a strong objection, we will follow their objection and not go ahead. You're listening to Wellbeing, and my guest today is Nicole Coleman. Nicole, after death, what organs and tissues can be used? Organs that can be donated, um, solid organs, would be the heart, the lungs 
the liver, the kidneys and the pancreas. And we also take sections of spleen, but that's not for transplantation, that's for tissue typing. Um, Tissues that can be um, donated would be skin, bone, tendons, ligament, um, corneas, most common form of tissue, and also heart valves, which are the valves inside of our heart which direct the blood flow. I understand that there's certain criteria for this to happen, um, whether you take a main organ or whether you just take tissue. What's the difference? For solid organs to be donated and to be functional once transplanted for the recipient, they actually need an active blood and oxygen supply. So that means until the organs are retrieved in surgery, we need to have oxygenated blood circulating right until that very moment, which means that um, only 1% of the population will die in this way. They have what they need to have is to die in hospital whilst in intensive care connected to a ventilator. The cause of death will generally be from a massive head injury. Now that leads to what we we term as um, death under the brain death criteria criteria, which means that the brain loses all function. Now that's quite different to coma. Many people in the public get confused between coma and when the brain loses all of its function, which means death. Um, And that's because there is no blood flow to the brain. However, blood flow to the organs will continue for a period of time whilst they're connected to artificial ventilation. The reason for that is the heart is independent from the brain. Once it receives oxygen from the ventilator, the heart will continue to beat for a short period of time, generally up to 72 hours after the brain stops functioning. This means that we can circulate oxygen to the organs, which means they are able to be transplanted. Tissue is quite different to that and 99% of our population can donate tissue and that's because tissue um, does not require that active oxygenated blood supply for a period of time after death for them still to be functional once transplanted. That means that, for example, a cornea, after someone has died and there is no oxygenation in the body and the heart's not beating and the brain's not functioning, that within 12 hours after death we can still retrieve the cornea and transplant them and they will still work fine. And how soon after death must the organs be used? I mean, what's the longest period when you say, no, it's too late now? We need to have the heart to continue beating, obviously, until we proceed to surgery. Sometimes um, the patients, once they have died, when their brain stops functioning, they do become, um, they will lose the ability to control their blood pressure and other factors, which means that sometimes their heart will stop beating as well, and we can't control that. So in that situation, we may not be able to um, proceed with the organ donation. But if we do remove the organs, generally those organs will need to be transplanted within, um, for example, the heart within four hours after it's removed. The lungs would need to be transplanted within six. The uh, liver and the pancreas within 12 hours. And the kidney has the longest period of time after they're removed from from the donor. They can be transplanted within 24 hours after death, after the time they're removed. But death has occurred Mm. probably 12 hours before that. When you're doing the testing to find out whether a recipient is going to get the right type of of tissue or organ, how do you find out from the deceased? Is that done after death? Yes. Completely after death? Yes. So if someone's waiting for a heart transplant and they've got four hours, they've really got to get a scuttle on to get from wherever they are to the hospital. All of that, that's why the organ and tissue donation process after death takes that 12 to 20 hours. We actually do all the testing and the tissue typing whilst they're connected to the ventilator in the intensive care unit before we go to surgery. 
So that would mean that we would do blood tests and in the Hunter all the blood gets sent to the Sydney Red Cross Blood Bank where they hold the, the serum test samples of all the people on the transplant waiting list. They will do the tissue typing to make sure that there's a close genetic match. Mm-hmm. Once we find that that person is a close genetic match and they also need to be matched in size, weight and height as well. For example, we couldn't transplant a six foot four adult male's liver into a five foot female of 50 kilos. It just would be too big. Mm. Um, So once we've discovered that there's a close genetic tissue match along with blood group and size and weight, we then contact that person to let them know that there is a possible um, transplant available for them. They would come to the hospital. This is, for example, a liver or a heart. Um, And once we have determined that there is a suitable recipient, only then will we remove that organ for transplantation, unless the family have given us permission for a research as well. And that's a separate consent. People can restrict their consent as much as they would like to. So I suppose that means that all that testing and the recipients are found before we go to surgery. If we don't find a recipient and research has not been consented to, we will not take that organ for any reason. Mm. How many people in Australia are waiting for a transplant of some kind? Currently in Australia, there's 1,716 people on the list, um, and that list never decreases. As soon as we transplant someone, someone else is put on the list, Mm. and that's because we find that there's so many um, new diseases and diseases that we've had in the past that are successfully treated through transplantation. And how many of those people would be in New South Wales? Uh, there are 813 at the moment that are in New South Wales alone. On that list. And that's solely for organ transplants or is that tissue as well? No, that's just organ. The tissue transplant waiting list is quite different. I think at the end of last year for corneas there are an additional 400 people waiting for transplants. It's a lot of people, isn't it? It is a lot of people. And how many transplants were performed during 2005? There were 982 um, transplants last year and that was from just over 200 donors. So I think that illustrates that one person can help many people. Up to nine or ten people can benefit from one donor through transplantation. I guess a a classic example of this was when David Hooks died and uh, his organs were donated around. There were a lot of people who benefited from yes. that as well. I think it? there are up to nine in that particular mm. instance that mm. were their life was um, altered for the better or they actually saved their lives, yes. Is there an age limit that people can say, or if it's on the driver's licence, for example, um, is there an age limit that you can take an organ? No, not really. We need to assess things at the time of the death. And as we get older, our, our bodies don't function as well as we would like them. And um, some organs do tend to start to deteriorate and not function as well. So we will do tests at the time of death to determine whether those organs are functional enough to be transplanted. As we get into our 80s, um, that, that organ function tends to decrease So it may mean that we may not be able to take particular organs, but people can donate tissues right up until they're over 100 years of age. I think we had a donor that was 109. That's quite a record, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) You're listening to Wellbeing. I'm Iris Nichols, and my guest today is Nicole Coleman. Nicole, we mentioned that sometimes the family is not aware that the deceased has made the donation, is it really difficult to explain to them that, yes, it's on the, on the driver's licence, for example, but they haven't got round to talk to their family about it? 
I think so. Um, a lot of I think Australians we tend to be, despite our own beliefs, we're quite conservative. And um, I think if you haven't discussed your wish around organ and tissue donation, we find that families will err on the side of caution and say no, if organ donation hasn't been discussed. However, if people have discussed it and they're aware of their loved one's wish, then a lot of the families will actually volunteer and say, oh, if there's anything that can be donated, that's what he, re- he or she really wanted. Mm-hmm. And, and that's when I get contacted and, and that's where I try to help that family and make it a positive process for them. We can't take back that that person has died. We can't reverse death. Once death has occurred, the only thing we can do is try and move through that and if people are willing to help other people through that process and save their lives then it's a wonderful thing. If you get someone who's died and hasn't made a decision one way or the other do you still approach the family and say although he didn't actually say can we use his organs do the family go along with that? Um, Yes in Australia um, there have been guidelines developed which which would state that medical doctors and that treating patients when they know they are eligible under the certain criteria and they are medically suitable to donate that we do approach families and give them the option to consider. We should not make a decision on behalf of the family to say that they may not like to be involved in it. The decision should lie with the family. So it's, it's meant that the government would like us to approach all families to ask them whether they would like the option to consider donation. They won't be pushed into it if they want to say no. That's entirely up to them and they're within their rights and we will respect that if they want to say no. Mm. But um, when we do ask and the decision hasn't been made by the deceased one, if the family member would like to consent on their behalf, we can actually go ahead and, and proceed with organ and tissue donation if the senior next of kin is willing to provide that consent, yes. Can it only be given by the senior next of kin? It can't be from, from any other family member? No, it cannot. It has to be legally the senior next of kin. The Human Tissue Act is the, the legal um, act that actually governs all tissue donation and there are criminal penalties involved if we don't sort of follow the act, which is there to protect family members and, and us. And if you, um, for example, if I'm married, then it's my husband who is my senior next of kin. And in the absence of a husband, husband if I have adult children, it would be an adult child over the age of 18. In the absence of that, it would then be my parent. And then it sort of moves down a hierarchical list. Mm. So it's within my role to actually, to that we should approach the correct person and ask them what their view is. Just supposing that you're married and your partner is not in a position, particularly I was thinking about elderly people, that if the senior next of kin is not in a position to be able to make a decision one way or the other, they might be in a nursing home or something like that, would that automatically go down that row of membership? It does say available next of kin. So if they are considered to be unavailable for a medical reason or if um, they have to be very, very distressed and, you know, medically seen Mm. to be unsuitable to provide consent, consent needs to be in a capacity which they're willing to do so. So if they're unable to do that, that consent can go to the next person. Or if a family member feels that if they are available but feel that they just cannot cope with making that decision at that time, 
they can actually delegate in writing to another family member to, to take on that responsibility for them. And then we can go through the process of explanation and the consent with, with that family member and take the stress off that person. Now, if anyone's listening to this program and decides they would like to be a donor, how do they go about it? They can contact a donor coordinator to um, obtain a Australian Donate Register form, which can be done at Hunter New England Health. You can phone the John Hunter switch on 49213000 and ask to speak to myself, the donor coordinator. You can actually do it through your driver's licence in New South Wales, and that's by ticking the box on your, on your renewal. It's free to renew your licence, or if you want to change your mind, you can actually go and do that for free. And you can also now do it on your Medicare forms. At your Medicare office, you can sign uh, a box over the page to say that you want to be an organ donor. And all of these in New South Wales are linked to the Australian Donate Register. This is now a strong consent legal written document that we as coordinators look to to find if that deceased person wanted to be a donor. So I would actually advocate that all people actually join that register and it, anyone in Australia should be on that register. It's a, it's a national register. If you wish not to be a donor equally, you can record your no on that register and that's equally as helpful to us as coordinators to know what your wish is. Mm. Um, there's an internet site. You can check on the www.australiandonate.com.au or you can actually phone a, a 1800 number as well, which is on that internet site. So there's, there's really plenty of chance to, if you decide that's what you want to do, there's plenty of avenues to go to, to actually be on that register. Absolutely. If a young person who, for example, is not a driver, so it doesn't go on to his or her driving licence, how old do they have to be before they can give permission? I think you need to be 18 to give your, your legal written permission to go ahead with organ and tissue donation. But under that age, you can still become a donor. You can still record your wish on the Australian Donate Register from the age of 13 and onwards. So if you would like to do that as a teenager and you don't have your driver's licence, you can actually get a form and fill it in and send it off and your wish will be recorded. But if, unfortunately, you do, um, that situation does arrive, your parents will actually still need to provide a written consent at that time because they are an adolescent or under the age of 18. So if a, if a teenager under 18 decides that's what they want to do for whatever reason, mum and dad, do they have to sign that original consent form as well at the time? At the time of death, yes, they yeah. will be asked to sign a consent to mm -hmm. say that, yes, their, their son or their mm -hmm. child wanted to be a donor and they agree with that and they're willing to, to support that wish and they will be asked to sign an um, authorisation form. But when the youngster fills in the form, if they're, no. they're quite young, they don't have to get parental consent at that time no. to, to sign. Now, you were saying that death to use the organs needs to take place in intensive care to keep the organ going. If they're in a road accident and they've died an hour, two hours earlier in a road accident, by the time they get to the, to the hospital, obviously, they are very dead. Their tissue can still be used. They, they can sort of go off and, and their tissue can still be used under those conditions. Yes, they can. Um, if a person comes into the hospital or if, um, even if they die at home, if their family want them to become a tissue donor, after their death, there is a window period of time, for example, with corneas, it's 12 hours after death. 
and and the other tissues such as heart valves and and bone and that is 24 hours but if they contact a coordinator or one of the tissue banks we can coordinate that process and allow them to become tissue donors yes absolutely and there are people like yourself in all the major hospitals wherever I hold an area position, so I would cover the hospitals within the Lower Hunter. Um, outside of that area, north, there's um, tissue banks will coordinate the process and there will be hospital employees that will be able to undertake that process. And in Sydney, there are state donor coordinators as well as local hospital coordinators as well. And interstate would have the equivalent? Yes. Yeah. So basically, it's the Medicare form and to get in touch with the hospital... Uh, or coordinator in a hospital to say, yes, this is what I want to do. Because you mentioned on the driver's licence that in New South Wales that ability was there, but may not be in other states. That's right, and that's why we're encouraging everyone to join the National Register. It is a stronger document legally. It's also more widely available across national Australia. Um, Not all states have that on their driver's licence, so it is recommended that you actually use the Australian Donate, which is the Health Insurance Commission form, to actually register your wish. Nicole, thank you for coming in and giving us your time today and giving us so much valuable information. My guest today has been Nicole Coleman. She's a clinical nurse consultant and she works with the Organ and Tissue Donor Register with the Hunter New England Health and also with the Australian Red Cross Blood Bank. Thank you all for listening and until we meet again, all the team here wish you well.